USA Wealth Group Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance, your host for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth by providing safe and effective strategies. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Money Wise. We've got a whole room full of talented people with us this morning that are going to be talking to you today. So I'd like to start out by asking a very simple question. Do you believe everything you read? Do you believe everything you hear? Do you believe everything you see? So it's a tough world. We have a lot of information out there today. And I think a lot of people have myths and mistaken ideas about things that they think that they know about estate planning and financial planning. So today we're going to talk about myths about estate planning and what to do about them and myths about financial planning because there's a lot of information. If I had to do it once, I would say that probably 50% of the people that I meet with, clients, prospective clients, will say, well, I heard this from my neighbor, and usually your neighbor is not a great source of information. So today we're going to dispel some myths about estate planning in particular and financial planning and try to clear up some things that may be wrong or just a mistake that you've heard about. So I'd like to say a special good morning to attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning. Boing, I just heard a, a spring sprang <laughs> or something. And good morning to attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. And uh, thank you both for being here. We have some really highly paid talent, um, highly educated talent here today that we're going to talk about some very important estate planning myths. So I guess probably the most important estate planning myth that people have is that if I do my will or if I do my trust or if I do my estate plan, it means that I'm going to what? means that I'm going to die pretty soon. Oh, your poor mother believed that firmly. <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening this morning that think superstitiously, my gosh, if I get out and get my will done, that means the end must be near. Mm. That's probably the number one reason that people put off doing estate planning, I would think. I think they just don't want to talk, talk about their own deaths. <laughs> yes. That's... Well, um, I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't think that I am immortal. Do you think that you are immortal? I, I know I'm not. <laughs> no, we're not, unfortunately. But going back to the idea of myths, Tenny and I were in a, a conference recently with a client, and they said that someone told them something about nursing home protection and losing a house that was absolutely wrong, just completely <laughs> wrong, not even close to being correct, and yet they had to come into an attorney's office to ask them if that was the right. So it happens all the time. It happens all the time, doesn't yeah. it, Tenny? It yeah, does. I, I agree with you, Mike. So the number one reason that people put off doing estate planning is because they think it signals the end is near. No, I guess you should be doing an estate planning even when you're young, shouldn't you? Absolutely. If you're 18 or over, you should have some documents in place to help your family if anything should happen to you. You should have durable power of attorney for property and health care documents. And I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say that. So we have an 18-year-old an grandson. He just turned 18. He's going to start college in just a very short while. And he needs to have a durable power of attorney and a health care proxy before he goes to college, doesn't he? He certainly should. I was thinking of that myself that he needs to get those things in place well he's going to be visiting with us very shortly so my suggestion is just get the documents done and when he comes in he's now 18 years of age he can sign and get it done yep so uh very important so do you think mike that estate planning is something that's necessary only for high net worth individuals people who have a lot of money no, I think actually, you know, a lot of people who have a smaller amount of money, maybe maybe a house could be the most important thing to them. 
they're the ones that are most concerned about protecting, you know, a house that maybe they've worked their whole life for to pay off. Mm-hmm. So they want to pass a house to their kids and, you know, keep things in the family because that's just really important to them, even if they have a small amount of money. And it's not just about age groups. We just said that somebody, even the age of 18, they may have assets or they may have a claim that entitles their estate to something if uh, they should be injured or if they should be killed. So even young people should have documents. How about, Tenny, if you're somebody who's newly married, first of all, is there any hope for you? No, I, I didn't, didn't mean it that way. <laughs> a long, happy marriage is ahead, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a young couple, um, they start to accumulate assets. Maybe they buy their first house together, and um, maybe they have a child. How many people have you seen so many, many times that are young and they haven't done anything to take care of their kids? Well, we we don't see all that many young people. I wish we saw more. But the fact is that particularly when you start having children, it's so important to get a will document in place. The will is where you name a guardian for your child. And heaven forbid something should happen to you, that child you want to be cared for by the person you name that that you respect and like and not by uh, somebody you might not like so much. Well, and you might have a fight about it. You might end up with somebody being appointed that you never wanted to have serve as a guardian. Let's say you have a married couple and they have one child and on the way home from a party there's a babysitter taking care of the child. The parents are killed in a car accident and they have made no arrangements at all. So you could have a fight about who's the best person to take care of that child, and it could be somebody entirely that the parents never wanted to have do so. Right. It could be some grandparents that um, you'd rather not be raising your child. <laughs> or it could just be the opposite. We had, we had a case where um, a man had children with a woman. They weren't married, and he passed away and the mother of the children was still alive. And so the question was, who's going to be the guardian and conservator for the kids? Uh, The man's parents wanted to be. And then the question was whether the mother of the kids was going to fight it. Um, So if he had had a will, if he had had something in writing saying who he wanted to be in charge of the kids' money, then that would have been helpful. He didn't have that. And so just to be really clear, uh, for both uh, you, Mike, and for Tenny, when you name somebody, you're nominating somebody. You're suggesting the person that you want to serve, but it's actually the court that makes the appointment for the guardian. But they're certainly going to be looking to find out what the parents' wishes are, aren't they? Yeah, and that's part of the problem with not having any documents in place is that you're going to have to go to court, either to do a probate or maybe to do a guardianship or a conservatorship. And at that point, anyone can contest uh, the court process. Anyone can request to be appointed executor of the estate or guardian, and that can be a long process, especially if you get into a fight about it. Yeah, sometimes it can be contested. You don't want that to happen. If you have questions about any of these things, ladies and gentlemen, certainly make an appointment. Make a call today. Leave a message on the machine if there's nobody here, if it's on a weekend, or call the office 508-998-8800 for the law firm. And You don't charge for an initial appointment to review whether somebody needs to do a will or a trust, do you? That's correct. We don't. Okay. There are some issues that we do charge for, but not that. So here's another important myth. People think that estate planning is only about getting rid of your assets and distributing your assets after you're gone, after you're deceased. That's probably the myth that bothers me most because... Uh, I seem to find most often that it's assets that you own while you're alive but unable for one reason or another, either because of physical difficulties or mental incapacity that people are not able to to deal with the, the particular asset. I have a situation right now where a lady who is 94, I believe, um, is in a nursing home. They need to sell her house. She did a power of attorney many years ago, but for one reason or another, that power of attorney may not be as effective as it should be 
hasn't been reviewed or renewed in a long time, and she now has dementia. So it's a problem for the sale of the house. It's a problem for what to do with the proceeds. It's a problem. (laughs) And so if you have dementia, you have no more legal capacity to sign new documents, right? Exactly. And nobody knows when that may happen, so get your documents done, get some planning done. How about this uh, myth? People think that, well, if I do a will, it's going to be able to take care of the distribution of all of my assets. Is that true? I'm not sure what all this myth is about, but if the asset is not in your name, it's not going to dispose of that. If you held it in some other uh, trust or mechanism, it wouldn't be. How about retirement assets? Uh, Right. Yes. So if you have an IRA or if you got a 401k at work, and uh, sometimes it will simply say my estate as the beneficiary. So when you meet with somebody, Mike, for example, do you make sure that you ask questions about retirement accounts and IRAs and check the beneficiaries? We do, and IRAs are really complicated actually because there's new laws regarding IRAs and you know, sometimes people say, oh, I want to name my trust as beneficiary of an IRA, and that gets really complicated for taxes. Um, but so we always ask those questions, but you can't always include the IRA in a trust or in a will. That's true. Well, here's a quick quotation about making mistakes. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to look at our time clock here, but I can't at the moment. If we slide that over a little bit, that would be better. Right now, I'm just looking at somebody's face. Which is a pretty face. Yes, but it doesn't tell the time for me. (laughs) So here's a quotation from a guy named William J. Clinton. Do you know who he was, Tenny? William Jefferson Clinton. I don't know. President of the United States. He said, if you live long enough, you'll make mistakes. But if you learn from them, you'll be a better person. It's how you handle adversity, not how it affects you. The main thing is never quit, never quit, never quit. When it comes to estate planning, though, make a beginning, get it started. So we're going to take a short break, and um, I think we have about 50 or 60 different topics of mistakes and myths to talk about. So stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys. If you have questions about retirement, call today, 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan, 508-998-8858. And now, back to Money Wise with the Money Guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the land of trolls and myths and goblins. Well, actually, I suppose if you don't do estate planning, you're really talking about a bad situation, aren't you, Tenny? If you're talking about what? (laughs) Estate planning. And you don't do planning, you've really got a problem. Yes. Especially if you're a troll. But no, we won't go there. All right. But um, you have to learn that you cannot listen to your neighbor. You can't listen to some of the things that you even read. You have to get some proper advice if you want to do estate planning. I think one interesting myth when we've been talking about wills is that wills mean that things just go to the people that you name in your will without any process whatsoever. Um, no, a will has to be submitted to the probate court and people really don't understand i think almost everybody i see misunderstands that and thinks I that know. the will is going to take care of everything in the lawyer's office and do you know why people think that because of movies and television That's right, tv shows like have you ever seen a movie where people are sitting around in the lawyer's office and the lawyer is going to be reading the will mm-hmm. and it says to my favorite nephew I leave my farm, and then everybody faints at the table. (laughs) To my granddaughter who didn't pay any attention to me, I'm going to leave her $5. (laughs) And people walk out mad. That's a myth. That Mm. doesn't happen, does it? No, I mean, that doesn't, that's not the end of it, that's for sure. No. (laughs) You could 
But a lot of people have the impression, and they believe in the myth that, gosh, if I've got a will and I'm gone, the family's simply, simply going to meet at the lawyer's office, they're going to read the will, and everybody will know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. No court well, <laughs> No. <laughs> you can do that, but you're still going to have to go to court to right. probate the will. Right. So uh, we've already learned that a will doesn't necessarily oversee everything that you have. Um, life insurance, retirement accounts, those are typically going to get paid to a named beneficiary, mm-hmm. uh, for example. All right, here's another one. Once I put a plan in place, I don't need to revisit it later. The story I just told about the 94-year-old lady with the old power of attorney that may not have sufficient powers enumerated in it to allow the family to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. How about this one, Mike? Have you ever had somebody come in and say, I know I did a will 20 years ago, and it was left in the lawyer's office, but the lawyer died a few years ago, so I don't know where my will is. Have you ever seen that kind of a situation before, either of you? Usually it's the kids that would have no idea where the will is when someone dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because usually what happens is that if a will, you know, a, a lawyer retires or whatever, they'll turn the will over to a new attorney, and then that attorney would send out letters letting everyone know that they have the will. But then it's the kids who are trying to do a probate that can't find it because they don't have that letter. And then I had a situation recently where someone did a will a long time ago and they named someone as the executor and then they named that person's wife as a second-in-line executor. And those two people got divorced in the meantime. (laughs) And they never updated their will. So they had the executor was out in California and his ex-wife was named as the second in line and no one wanted her to serve so the person out in california had to serve i had exactly the same situation with a trust the divorced wife was named as the successor trustee fortunately she was cooperative and declined to serve (laughs) but so the so the important message here is simply just because you did a will or a trust or an estate plan a number of years ago doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it once in a while. Things change in your family and things change in your life. And maybe some of the people that you've named have died or maybe the lawyer who prepared the will and kept custody of it has died. You need to do it periodically, don't you? What do you typically recommend for a time period, um, either one? We say every three years for people to come into the office to sit down and review things. And if there are changes needed, we can do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about this myth? I'm too young for estate planning. Thus our grandson. <laughs> but uh, Im- importantly, we do see situations, we have seen a situation where a fairly young man in his early 30s died, and his mother was his beneficiary, but he did not leave any of the information about his assets anywhere for anybody to find. And so she was up a creek without a paddle, not knowing how to uh, get into his online banking or any of that. You know, I was just thinking, I haven't heard up a creek without a paddle for a long time. I don't know where that came from. Just <laughs> Probably from Abraham Lincoln. Somewhere up in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> how about this one? This is one of my favorites. Uh, well, uh, first, uh, one quick minute. You're not too young. Um, to avoid doing estate planning. Nobody is too young to do an estate plan. Absolutely not, if you're 18 or over. And how about this one? I don't need a lawyer. I can go on the computer and do it myself, Will. Sometimes, if you understand what you're doing and you properly sign the will and have it witnessed and notarized and all those things, maybe that will work, more likely not. (laughs) So here's a quick question, again, for, uh, for you, Mike. Um, when you execute a will, when a client execute a will, executes a will, how many witnesses do you have to have? Right now, two. You have to have two witnesses. It has to be notarized. Okay. And the notary is a third person? Yep. So that's called the formalities of executing a will. You have to have two witnesses and a notary public to sign the will. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens if you do your own will and you don't do it with those formalities? Maybe it's not going to be recognized as a legal, valid will. 
I had a situation recently where we had a will that was signed a while ago, and one of the names of the witnesses was left off of the notary clause. So we had to track down the attorney who did the will originally. Wow. We had to have him sign an affidavit to provide to the court saying that the will was signed in the presence of these two witnesses on this date. So if you don't do it right, it can be a problem. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that kind of a story before. So the important thing is um, when you do a will, um, you have to do it properly. And the way to do it properly is to make a consultation appointment with Tenny or with Mike and make sure that it's done with the correct formalities and then revisit it periodically because things are going to change in your life. All right, how about this one? If I pass away without a will, the state will get my assets. Is that true or is that a myth? That's a myth, but the state determines where the assets will go. Mm -hmm. And it may not be where you want them to go. There's a there's a sort of a family tree in the state law, and it says who will get your assets if you don't have any will. And they're called, uh, it's called what, rules of intestacy? Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, what, that's what happens if you die without a will and have assets that need to go somewhere. You're said to be intestate. Sounds like a disease. It is. Did I ever tell you the story about the derivation of the word ter- testator? No, I, th- I won't do that today. I think today. you have, and you don't need to do that again. No, we won't do that again today. Okay. So there is a chart. Uh, that You can see the chart, and it tells who gets your assets. So if you die and you're married and you've got kids, um, my recollection, and if you, you can comment on this if you want, if you don't have a will and you die and you've got assets in your own name, and you've got a spouse and you've got children, I believe that your spouse gets half your assets and your kids get half your assets. Depends on if the kids are kids of that marriage ah, or okay. of a different marriage. So it's complicated. Yeah. It, it's very complicated. I keep the chart in my office and it's just interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. And the people who may inherit because you don't have anybody close to you are called laughing heirs. Why is that? Because they get something they didn't expect, right? Right. They laugh all the way to the bank. So have you ever seen, Tenny, have you ever met with clients who say, you know, I've got three children, but one of my sons I haven't spoken to or seen for 10 years, and I have no idea where he lives? You ever had that kind of a situation? I can't tell you how often, unfortunately. And so if you do a will... You can intentionally exclude somebody, I believe. Is that correct? Or a trust? That's correct. But if you don't do a will and if you don't intentionally exclude somebody, then they can be a legal heir and inherit. So there are lots of reasons to make sure you do it correctly. So the next question, we've already answered it, and that's this. If I have a will, I don't have to worry about probate. Just the opposite is true, isn't it? What we always explain probate is that you need to pay attention to how your assets are titled and not necessarily what you know whether you have a will or not. If you have a bank account in your name alone and you pass away, no one's going to have any right to get to the bank account. So that's why you have to do a probate. The will would only help to name someone to be in charge, but it doesn't change how the asset is owned. So I, I, I feel like this morning the more of these myths that I'm talking about, the more questions I'm asking, the more you get to, to realize how complicated this can be and how important it is to do it correctly. So here's the next one. Um, well, if we know that a will has to go through probate, and um, if you have assets titled in your name mm-hmm. and you have a will, in order to pass the title on to somebody else, typically you're going to go through probate. And why is that a problem today in Massachusetts? Does it take a long time? Does it cost a lot of money? Um. Usually both. Um, it it requires the filing of a lot of paperwork with the court, and that costs money. Um, and then after the papers are filed, there's usually a requirement to publish the announcement of the proposed uh, processing mm-hmm. of the will. That has to be published a certain amount of time before the return date to the court is set. Um, and then 
you have to wait, for example, for the court to follow through and do something. Okay. I have a situation now in Suffolk Court in Boston. The will was filed. It was published. The return date was met July 7th. And we still, July 30th, do not have uh, the appointment by the court. And all that is required is a simple signature on a piece of paper by the court. And it can mess up uh, sales of real estate and all kinds of other things. The important thing is it takes a long time. Um, we're going to take another break in just a moment. I just want to give you a quick quotation from a guy named John Senna. If you don't learn from your mistakes, then they become regrets. So don't listen to myths. Don't make mistakes. Work on your estate plan. But more importantly, I want to come back um, after the break and talk a little bit about wills versus trust and some myths that people may have about trust. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This is Money Wise Radio, powered by the USA Wealth Group. Collectively, more than 80 years of experience helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about estate planning myths and maybe some things you need to do about them. A lot of people have misconceptions about many, many things when it comes to estate planning. For example, this is one of my favorites. I don't need to do estate planning. I don't need to do a trust. I don't need to do a will because I've got everything in joint tenancy. What would you say to that? Well, I say two things usually. One, what happens if the other person that you are joint tenants with gets sued or goes bankrupt or heaven forbid any of those things? So you could have liability problems. Right. You could lose the asset. Right. Okay. What happens if there's a common disaster? Yeah. I just met with someone recently who, who you know, potentially wanted to put her son on her accounts as a joint owner, and he had already been through a bankruptcy <laughs> once. So okay. That was not a good idea to do that. So I told them instead, put it in a trust. Okay. And if things are in joint tenancy, as Tenny was mentioning too, and the son typically is going to drive faster on the highway Mm -hmm. than his mother might be, and their joint account, he gets into an accident. You hear stories all the time. He could be sued. Um, So you've got the family home in joint tenancy with you and one of your children, and that child has a car accident and they get sued, guess what? You could lose your house. Mm-hmm. So a joint tenancy is not necessarily the best way to hold title to assets. And I can think of some other reasons. What if somebody becomes incapacitated? You know, and What if they become uh, have Alzheimer's or dementia and maybe they can't sign a deed any longer? Now you have to do some things. There's lots of reasons not to have things just in joint tenancy and think that they're protected. There's also, you know, some people say, I just want to transfer my house to my child. And if they continue to live there, they'll lose their homestead protection. Okay. Because you can't have a homestead, you know, unless it's your personal residence. So that if the child doesn't live there as their residence, they're not going to have a homestead protection in that house. And the parent isn't going to have it there either. Yep. And then there are tax reasons not to do that, and then the liability reasons, too. Let me just follow so, up on that homestead th- point for a second, because I hadn't even thought about that one. The homestead gives liability protection in case somebody gets injured on your property or you have a car accident and they want to sue you. And you don't have enough liability insurance. They want to go after the house. Mm-hmm. And could be one of your children. You put the house in their names. Um, again, you could lose the house. Yeah. A um, long time ago, I was assistant register of deeds under John Gomes, and I did that for a couple of years. And um, there was a woman who came in, and um, she uh, was a child, and the mother had died. The father had taken the house and deeded it over to a second wife, and then got divorced. And all of a sudden, the kids were concerned that. Um, they weren't going to get anything at all. Mm. So there's lots of reasons not to put the house in the child's name, mm-hmm. and um, those are just a few of them. Yeah. But I, I like the uh, comment you made about the homestead because, um, sure, 
if you put the house in the child's name and you had a declaration of homestead, it's a form of liability protection for you. Mm-hmm. You no longer own the house. You no longer have the homestead protection. Right. And the child that's not their primary resident, they don't get the homestead on the house. The house doesn't get that benefit. That's right. Wow. I hadn't thought about that one. To say nothing about the potential that Medicaid might uh, be in your future, <laughs> that would cause a real problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of reasons. Well, before you want to do it yourself and think about doing things yourself, give a call to Lance Law Inc. and ask for Mike or Tenny. Make an appointment. Call them at 508-998-8800, and they'll be happy to send you some information or meet with you and help you plan correctly. You know, especially when you're talking about your house, your house is your most important asset for most people. You work all your life to, to own it and pay it off. You want to protect it. Mm-hmm. How about this as a myth? I don't have enough money to worry about the estate tax. Well, the estate tax does have a an exemption of $1 million for each person. In Massachusetts. In Mass, right. It's one of 17 or 18 states that does have an estate tax. But estate tax is certainly not the only thing you should worry about. Um, it's all the things that we've been talking about getting your assets to the people that you want to receive them is far more important usually than uh, worrying about the estate tax. Um, there's always that little uh, phrase that you use, Ray, about you should not let the tax dog, no, you should not let the tax wag the tail. I've the, the got ta- it wrong. The Don't, let the tax, oh, good <laughs> Don't let the tax tail wag the dog right. right we got it we got it also some people don't even realize how big their estates are you know you see mike this is why you have a dog and this is why tanny doesn't have a dog because she doesn't know the tail from the head <laughs> or something uh, oh, well we got it right that's the important part yeah. no but but mike's point is a good one yeah. that so many people who come in to see us don't know what they own and don't know what they're worth. And we say we add it all up and people think we're being intrusive. We're not. We're trying to make sure that their estate plan is properly done. Mm-hmm. And when many, many people we find now with high real estate values and their estate is over a million. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another side commentary I would make on that. I don't have enough money to worry about the estate tax. Uh, do you have any insurance? Yeah, I've got insurance, but that goes right to a beneficiary. That's not part of my estate. Wrong. Everything is part of your estate. Mm-hmm. Your retirement accounts, the value of your house, your investment accounts, life insurance. If you control a life insurance policy that passes by reason of your death, guess what? It's includable in your estate. Mm-hmm. So when you add all those things together, and particularly if you have life insurance that you haven't thought much about, you could have a taxable estate in Massachusetts, but then you should do planning. Mm-hmm. So uh, people are sometimes worth more than what they think. I've, I've seen situations when people come in with um, an intake sheet and they've filled out their assets and they've got everything filled out nice and neatly, but they didn't total it. They didn't put a total number on the bottom. It's almost like they don't want to realize how exactly how much money they're worth. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that situation, Tenny? Most of the time, as a matter of fact, it's really funny how people do that. Yep. Mentally, you don't want to realize how much money you have. All right. Um, Sometimes it's more important to do a trust because then you don't have to go through probate, Mm -hmm. right? Because the trust avoids probate if you have your assets titled in the name of the trust. Right. And there are different kinds of trusts. So there are trusts that can own bank accounts and some that own real estate. But once the trust is created, the assets are put in the trust. And then there are successor trustees named in it so that there's no probate because the trust is the owner, basically. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to change title um, of the account once it goes in the trust. And that also means when somebody dies, you can pass that asset virtually immediately. Mm-hmm. I've had situations in the, in the past where I've seen folks who have done a trust. There's real estate in the trust. The surviving parent has died. Um, they don't have to go through probate. And the kids are scattered all around the country, and they say gee, what do I have to do to be able to sell this property? Uh, Well, you're the successor trustee. Go out today and hire a real estate broker. Put it on the market immediately. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait for a a personal representative or executor to be appointed under a will. That's right. You can act quickly. 
Now, you mentioned something interesting, though, Mike. You mentioned a couple of different kinds of trusts. You do a lot of different kinds of trust here, too, don't you? You do a regular revocable living trust, which is sort of like a blown-up will in some ways. I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't characterize it as that. But that's the basic trust that a lot of people do that will avoid probate and mm-hmm. pass assets along. Right. It tells what ages you want kids to receive right. assets, things like that. There are irrevocable trusts to hold houses. There are irrevocable trusts to hold uh, life insurance. Okay. So you can do an, what's called an islet. So let's talk about that for one second. If you yeah. did an irrevocable life insurance trust, and that's going to be the owner of your life insurance policy, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that can be uh, usually protected from a creditor who may want to come along. Mm-hmm. It also means that when you're totaling up all the assets at the end of somebody's life, um, what's in the irrevocable life insurance trust passes outside your estate. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to contribute to paying estate taxes. So that might not be a bad way to hold title to insurance if you have a larger estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and irrevocable trusts sometimes, Tenny, are using to protect houses from nursing homes, correct? That's right. Uh, we do a lot of irrevocable income-only trusts. And uh, what we want people to understand is that they need five years from the day that that trust is signed uh, until a nursing home is involved. So the earlier you do it, the more able you are to protect your house. So the important point that I want to make is that it's not just somebody coming in saying, I want to do a trust. They may want to do a revocable living trust. They may want to do an irrevocable trust for life insurance. They may want to do an irrevocable trust to put the house into it to try to protect it from a nursing home claim. They may have some assets that uh, have built quite a bit of gain within them, and they may want to do a charitable remainder trust. Good, yeah, thanks. All kinds. (laughs) Thanks for bringing that up. So sometimes if you have an investment asset, uh, often it's real estate, it could be stock, and you know that if you sell it, you're going to have to pay a large capital gains tax. You can put those assets into a charitable remainder trust, get a tax deduction for contributing the asset to that trust, sell it and not pay capital gains tax right away. And there's a lot of benefits from a tax point of view to doing that. So there are many different kinds of trust, but you need to find out if you want to do a trust, which one might be the best for you and for your specific needs. Mm-hmm. Um, We've covered the first section here almost completely. Um, Do people think that if they give money away um, as a gift that they don't have to file a gift tax return? Do you ever have that situation? Well, I often see people who do want to give money away, and they believe that they are limited to the amount of 15000 a year. Which and is the I, annual exemption amount. Right. It's a different thing than uh, the amount that would be taxed as a gift tax under the federal law. And typically, if you want to give away more than that amount of money to somebody, you really just want to get rid of your assets to your kids because, A, they need the money, or B, you want to reduce your estate. If you give away more than that annual exclusion amount of $15,000, then typically you're required to file a gift tax return. Yes, you are supposed to do that, but it's it's not uh, a difficult or horrible process. It's something you do with your next tax return. Okay, so we're going to take one more short break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some other things to, to think about. We're probably going to have to do a separate show, I suspect, on myths about life insurance, myths about annuities. But stay tuned, and we will be right back. Call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Money Wise is in many places. If you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to usawealthgroup.com and click on the radio page. That's usawealthgroup.com. This is Money Wise Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're having a little bit of fun this morning talking about estate planning myths, and boy, there's a lot of estate planning myths. 
So I guess if I had to say rule number one, when you're thinking about these things is, first of all, don't listen to your neighbor. Um, they're always going to tell you something wrong, and they're not going to get it right. Uh, secondly, do get some professional advice, because that's where you're going to do it correctly. And the most one, importantly, don't wait. Yes, uh, here's, a, here's a quotation. I want to see if you can guess who wrote this quotation, Tenny. Take time to deliberate, but when the time for action has arrived, stop thinking and go in. I have no idea. Franklin Roosevelt. Napoleon Bonaparte. Aha. Well, he went into Russia and got smeared. So. Yes, he did. That's true. <laughs> well, let's say go into the office. Take time to deliberate, but when the time for action has arrived, stop thinking and go in. <laughs> so a lot of good it did him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, do you find, Mike, that a lot of people just kind of like wait until the last minute to come in and talk about estate planning? They do. People tend to wait until something happens or they just never do it at all, actually. Or something <laughs> then, shocking happens yeah, in their yeah, family. Maybe right. suddenly somebody in their family has died and they say, oh, no, I need to do something myself. Mm -hmm. I really should take care of these things. But people tend to procrastinate. Right. And I have a situation now where a woman passed away. She was fairly young and she had a retirement account that she meant to update with her husband as beneficiary or they're not sure if she did or not. And so she passed away fairly suddenly. And now we're waiting for the company to send out beneficiary paperwork. We don't even know where it's going to be sent <laughs> because a, they won't tell us. It's a mystery. The, yeah. They won't <laughs> tell us who the beneficiaries are. They're just going to send out the forms to the beneficiary. <laughs> so he's waiting to see if he gets anything. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things about practicing law are all the unusual circumstances that you run into. You mm -hmm. never know what oh, the next true. client will bring. Yeah. Or as Madeline Kahn said in Blazing Settles, oh, it's true, it's true. <laughs> but I can't tell you the backstory behind that in the air. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there are lots of mistake estate planning myths and there are lots of estate planning mistakes. The, the biggest mistake is simply failing to plan in the first place and everybody needs to plan. I guess the common thing that you say a lot, Tenny, is if you don't make a plan, the government has a plan for you, and it may be not be what you want to have happen. And um, how about digital assets? A lot of people think, well, I've got stuff in my computer, but I'm not really worried about that. I'm only worried about my bank accounts and my things. People don't think about planning for digital assets, do they? Passwords. Oh, and I'm so bad about passwords myself. Yes, it's it's an affliction. <laughs> um, that's one word we could use to describe it. It's it's sort of like not wanting to get involved in the digital age. I think is what it is. Maybe I don't know. But, I just I don't keep track very well. Well, uh, of your own digital accounts, yes. In the office, you're very organized. But when you do estate planning, don't forget about your power of attorney. Don't forget about who's your health care representative. What if you've named children as your health care representative and they move to the opposite side of the country? Mm -hmm. Maybe they should be thinking about reviewing those documents or maybe revising them. That's one of the reasons why we have our review meetings is to sit down and go over the documents and see if anything's changed that people may want to change. If a child moved or some circumstances change in their lives, you can name new executors or agents. So here's, here's a myth. I did my estate plan 10 years ago, and I'm all set. That's, that's a good myth because Could you, be. <laughs> you, you do need to update them. Mm -hmm. Now, when somebody comes in and you've done their estate plan and you just come in and they're coming in for a review meeting with you, um, do you typically charge for that meeting? No, it's a free meeting. Um, we say come in every three years or so just as a free review to look to see if anything's changed. And as part of that, we also go over assets to make sure things that are should be in the trust are in the trust or things that should have beneficiaries have beneficiaries, and that's always something we look at too. And you also want to see, I suppose, whether assets have increased in value because if they've increased in value, maybe somebody who didn't have to worry about an estate tax before now must worry about an estate tax. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you have a married couple, Tenny, um, or yeah, it would have to be a married couple. It could be same-sex couple too, couldn't it? Sure. Um, same-sex couples, um, two men who are married, two women who are married, um, they have the same rights and obligations to do planning as you know, non-same-sex couples do. Right, and I think that word is the operative one, that they have the right to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had that for many years now in Massachusetts. That's correct. Um, without any estate planning, they'd be in the same boat as others who um, die without any will or trust. And a lot of times you'll have same-sex couples um, who may get married and then later adopt children. And it doesn't necessarily occur to them that now they have children who are their legal heirs, and they need to plan for that situation as well. They need to name guardians, right? Well, they need to do all of it, but you do need to update and review periodically. Um, If you have somebody new who's coming in who might have done an estate plan with somebody else, another law firm, for example, um, do you charge for your initial meeting to review those documents? And when you're meeting with those people, probably not unless you're doing a detailed review of a trust or something, I suppose. Well, if if the document is still valid, we, we look it over for sure. We attempt not to interpret or uh, criticize any other documents, but if we see that there are some things lacking in them or the situation has changed, then we would tell the client. Mm-hmm. Now, how about this as a myth? I don't need to worry about my final arrangements, my funeral and burial arrangements, because my family knows what my wishes are. Maybe. Maybe. And maybe they have money to pay for it, and maybe they don't. Yep. So um, I know we can help here in the financial company at USA Wealth Group with making sure that there's a payment plan in place or a small insurance policy to take care of that. I wonder how many people have ever thought about doing that. And I wonder if somebody has a particular set of wishes, but they haven't put it down in writing, how do they know that their wishes are going to be followed if they don't put it down in writing or make some prearrangements? Mm-hmm. So all those things are important, aren't they? It's not morbid. It's good planning. That's right. And it's an exemption if you <laughs> have paid for that for the, for the nursing home and need Medicaid. It's an exemption. Now, how about this? Um, you have somebody who comes in, they say, well, we've got three children, and I want to leave, uh, or maybe it's just a single person. I've got three children, I want to leave $150,000 to each of my three children, because that's about how much money I have. And then the money goes away. Or they leave money to one child, and they leave a house to another child. It's more important, I would think, in some cases, to think about leaving assets in terms of percentages instead of just dollar amounts. Yeah, it's always hard when people come in and say, I want to split things up you know, between kids if it's anything other than just leave things equally because then you get into you know, what's the value of the house, um, what if the retirement accounts or other kinds of accounts go down in value or if they use the money and then there's not enough in the account. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always that's always tricky, but it's one of the things that we try to figure out when people come in is how to split things up. And let me ask this question: Do you think, Tenny, that um, children should automatically receive assets when they're of legal age? Uh, if you're talking about age eighteen, yes. <laughs> then absolutely not. Um, so, our recommendation is that if Uh, someone between 18 and at least 25 is to inherit something that they would inherit it through a trust where someone uh, who is responsible can determine whether that expenditure is useful, valid, sensible, and all those sorts of things. You could also use staggered ages too, couldn't you? Mm -hmm. Say I want one-third at 25 and one-third at 30 and one-third at 35. What about somebody who might have special needs? You can make special arrangements, right? Absolutely. That um, you do not want somebody who is receiving public benefits to receive your estate unless it is huge and that that estate could then take care of the child because 
the public benefits are much more important over the life of that person. So the concern is if you don't word it carefully and make special needs language in your trust document, uh, they could end up losing some of their public benefits. Right. And then you need to think about, gosh, there's so many things I can think about. What if you want to make a gift to charity? What if you want to make sure your pets are taken care of? And what if you have new pets that you didn't have when you did your trust or your will before? You need to make arrangements for all those kinds of things, don't you? So the message today is that people don't think about these things or things change in your life. You have a lot of misconceptions that, well, somebody will take care of my animals when I'm gone. You can make arrangements for all those things. You can do pet trusts. You can do pet trusts. So (laughs) So we've gone through most of the things that we wanted to talk about for myths about estate planning. There are many others. So the important piece of information I want to leave everyone with is what have you done to take care of your family? And if you have questions or uncertainties or if you haven't done enough or if you haven't done it for a long time, make an appointment and come in and see Mike or Tenny, 508-998-8800. The job that you folks do is really important, Attorney Tenny Lance and Attorney Mike Coleman. You help people protect their families, and you help people make sure that they're done correctly. Mm -hmm. So... Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be with you another time to talk about life insurance and financial myths. You've been listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, powered by USA Wealth Group, Inc. If you have questions about retirement, call today, 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. MoneyWise is also online. Go to usawealthgroup.com. That's usawealthgroup.com. Our firm provides insurance services. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. USA Wealth Group, Inc. is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group, Inc. USA Wealth Group, Inc. has a strategic partnership with tax professionals and attorneys who can provide legal advice. Lance Law, Inc. is not affiliated with USA Wealth Group, Inc. or AE Wealth Management. This radio show is a paid placement.